Wow. Are we back at it again? We're back at it. Okay, so if you joined us for the earliest of the What the Hell series, you're going to know that it was inspired from reading tons and tons and tons last Poetry Month and tons and tons of submissions, tons of spring releases. And when you read as much poetry as we have the pleasure to do, mm-hmm. it breaks your brain a little. And you begin to question reality. <laughs> you begin to question language. You begin to question punctuation. Mm-hmm. So what do we have to discuss today, Claire? Well, there's so many punctuation marks in our, frankly, that we could talk about. But I'm really excited that we've chosen for our first What the Hell episode on punctuation to talk about the beloved M dash. That's E M dash, not to be confused with the N dash. That's personally one of my favorite punctuation marks of all time, but especially to use in poems. Yes. I think that it's my favorite as well to abuse. To, <laughs> yep, to manipulate language to break what I'm saying to take myself or the reader to another plane. So today we're going to talk about some quote unquote rules. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> um, but also some of the like liberties you can take with the M dash. But I will say it's the poet's punctuation. So. Yes. We've claimed it. It's ours. All you fiction writers, take your commas and get out. Take your commas and your semicolons and get out of here. (laughs) The M dash is ours. But I'm excited because we dug up some really fun facts for you. And Claire, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So fun fact number one is... and. We learned this first from our beloved copy editor, Austin Rodenbiker, and he let us know during a little copy editing session on one of our manuscripts that the M dash is so named because it is approximately the length of a capital letter M. Same goes for the N dash. It's approximately the width of a capital letter N. So yeah, about the length of a letter M. So the M dash is the longest dash. And the best dash. Um, typically you'd use an N dash, the letter N, as in no thank you. Um, (laughs) you would typically use it to like show like a length of time. So like 1892 N dash, 1891. That's usually Mm -hmm. when you'll get to use that. But the M dash is the most versatile of the dashes, but could be as frequently used as like a hyphen. Yeah. But. How would you typically use an M dash if we're comparing hyphens and the N dash? Yeah. What's interesting about it is I read an article in The New Yorker that said that one expert says that there's actually no agreed upon specific definition of what an M dash is for. But Merriam-Webster says that it can function like a comma, a colon, or parentheses, I think I've even heard it being used in place of a semicolon. That seems like a stretch, but uh, basically it can take the place of almost any punctuation. It sets off extra information. So if I was going to write a sentence that was like, in the years before her dressmaking business got started, M dash 
before her father died, M-Dash. Olivia used to sew for fun. Okay, basically, those M-Dashes flank that little extra piece of information that's sort of embedded in the sentence. Commas can do the same thing, though. So why a writer would use M-Dashes instead, people have different opinions on. Um, so supplemental facts, descriptive phrases like that embedded in the middle of a sentence. And like a colon, it introduces a clause that explains or expands upon something that precedes it. Yeah. So, you know, in the Merriam-Webster, like, you know, you can replace the comma, a colon, or parentheses. But I've seen in poetry, it replaces the period, which that's an almighty, oh. an almighty power. What it does in poetry is not included in that Merriam-Webster description, for sure. In fact, <laughs> if there's no agreed-upon description for what it does formally in writing, there certainly isn't one for what it does informally, so to speak, in poetry or creatively in poetry. So that's why we're here to talk about it, because it's interesting and there is no manual. No rules. We love it. <laughs> okay, so we've got a few more fun facts for you. Did you know— and we're thanking our copy editor, Austin Rodenbiker, once again, that the proper way to use an M-dash requires you to omit the spaces before and after the dash. So it's kind yeah. of like you're getting a little hug from the words around it. And if you have space, it is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no spaces around the dash itself. So, for example, my weird sentence that I created a minute ago that could have been a parenthetical in the years before her father died, could have been in parentheses, but that would have spaces around the parentheses. You don't just have the last letter of a word and then a parentheses right up next to it. So the dash is kind of cool because it's it's almost functioning like a space, mm. but it's also sort of stitching the whole sentence together. They're like little stitches in between these clauses. I love that. And I, I think... When I see it on the page, it links instead of giving you space um, when there's something before and after. Yeah, parentheses like create a little cave that that little extra piece of information goes inside of. And it's like, this is a separate little thing. And this is kind of a private aside between you, the reader, me, the writer. The M dashes are pretty chaotic. They're just like, keep up. <laughs> bitch because <laughs> we aren't even giving you a space to breathe and there here's a new piece of information that's coming right at you and then we're dashing away from it just as quickly. Mm, I like that. There is a a rush to the M dash that that line that that stitching requires. I think so. Yes. Okay, you guys. I've got a really good fun fact for you. Um so if you're lazy like me, when you've needed to use an M-dash, you Google M-dash, then you copy the M-dash from your Google search results, and then you paste <laughs> it into a Word document, and you don't have to be garbage anymore, because I'm going to tell you how to do the M-dash on your keyboard. So if you got a Mac, it's the Option button, the Shift button, and the hyphen button that's up next to the zero on your keyboard. Oh my God. I didn't know that till just now. And that's amazing. It's sickening. It's sickening. <laughs> the piece of information that should precede that is there is no M dash on your keyboard. 
So you have to make it, which is cool that you can. But it's kind of like how old typewriters didn't have an exclamation point because that wasn't like a commonly used piece of punctuation at a certain time. So I wonder if in the future our computer keyboards will evolve to where they have an M-dash or if we'll always make it with option shift hyphen. I like to consider myself an optimist, but I think that train has (laughs) left the station. I think this is Mm -hmm. this is it. But who knows? Maybe someday. Yeah. So you're welcome. Your life has changed. Option, shift, hyphen, key. Who's, whoever said that this podcast didn't provide practical and useful information? We have too much fun. But if you really root around in the episode, you might <laughs> no. find something that can change your life. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to continue on with my life like I never <laughs> heard you say that. Um Anar, I have one last fun fact for you before I ask you a really important question. Okay. You know I'm not on Twitter, so I have no business knowing this. But I did find that not only is there something apparently called M-Twitter, which, since I'm not on Twitter, I don't understand what that means. But I do know that writers are obsessed with the M-Dash. And so apparently they're talking about it over there. And there's a hashtag on Twitter, which is hashtag m the letter four, Eva. <laughs> M dash forever. As a chronically online person, this shouldn't be new news, but but it is. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, did you already know that? <laughs> no. Um, I know oh, that there's God. like the Oxford comma bullies. Mm-hmm, Both mm-hmm. sides are bullying yeah. each other. But I find it very wholesome that there's, well, now that Twitter is... <laughs> what it is Mm. um less wholesome but really interesting i'm gonna have to go in and and check it out and there are the grammarians out there who criticize the excessive use of the m dash in writing but then there's a lot of really cool writers out there who still support it with hashtags like that so it's it's an interesting conversation but um i'm curious before we move on if you would answer a question for me yes I love questions. Okay. What would you say the tone of the M-dash is? Is it punk rock? Is it business casual? (laughs) You know, I identify with the M-dash and I don't identify Mm. with punk rock or business casual. (laughs) I think there's this like eagerness to it, but also this kind of... I don't know if humility is the right word, but there's this thing where it's like, oh, I have to give you this extra information and I'm so sorry to like inconvenience you, but like it's important. I'm going to put it in the most efficient way. I'm sorry, but thank you. And then (laughs) moving forward after that. So I think it's, I think efficiency really comes to mind, but it is also taking, you know, it's like, I'm going to give this to you. You're going to read it. So I guess the answer is both. It's punk rock and business casual and might need depression medication. (laughs) I definitely agree that it's like, ooh, one more thing. Like it has that kind of a vibe. It's kind of rabbity to me. Like it's like 
hop, we're hopping all around here. And what's cool about it is my brain can keep up with that. Like M dashes help me to take a bunch of little pieces of information in an oddly constructed sentence and kind of put it together. So yeah, I like the sort of feralness of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just how I use it and how I read it. But there's some poems where there's almost a monologue quality to what's in the parentheses. So like mm-hmm. it'll tell you something straightforward. And then it'll have like kind of an inner monologue or like an intimate thought inside of those parentheses Mm -hmm. and then carry on. I agree. Parentheses are like a different voice or a different tone of voice. It's like, oh, and by the way, I'm going to tell you this thing too. The M dash is like, no, I'm just going to lasso this clause into this sentence as well. And it's the same voice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, author Alexander Chi tweeted, M-dash is the just belt it and go of punctuation, thus my devotion to it. Which I really liked. And Alexander Chi is such a great writer, so you couldn't get a higher endorsement. I love it. He's the official spokesperson for the M-dash. Love it. Well, I guess we can just dive into our poets if you want. There's a meme. But I feel like describing a meme on a podcast is maybe not the coolest thing to do. (laughs) But it's not uncool. Okay, so there's the distracted boyfriend meme, which is like man walking with his girlfriend and he's like turning around to look at another woman. Um, This is terrible. It is (laughs) awful. Terrible meme. Um, It's so (laughs) ubiquitous, though. Everybody knows what meme you're talking about. And the girlfriend sees him looking and is making this I'm pissed at you face. Exactly. So there's that meme. And so in this situation, you or we or I is the man. (laughs) And I is the man. I is the man. And the girlfriend (laughs) that he is walking next to that is giving him this dirty look because he's turned around to look at this other specimen (laughs) other specimen she is the comma the semicolon the colon and he is checking out or we or i or they or us is looking at at the m dash Um, (laughs) yeah it's very funny we're checking out the m dash anyway we're gonna post it on our instagram yeah go find it there thank you for bringing this into my life claire You're welcome. Seemed relevant. (laughs) Well, that's enough about how the M-dash operates normally in a sentence, because we all know that poets aren't normal. They don't do normal things with language. They're here to, you know, push language to its boundaries and margins. So we definitely have all encountered... The poet I'm going to talk about first, the queen of the M-dash, Emily Dickinson. Yay! Yeah! You know, before I selected this poem, I was doing a little research to make sure that that was true. Is Emily Dickinson the queen of the M-dash? She has a lot of dashes in her poems, and I wasn't sure if they were, in fact, M-dashes. Um, I did find a professor of English at the University of Maryland, Martha Nell Smith, who is quoted as saying that Emily Dickinson used the M-dash to highlight the ambiguity in the written word, which is a beautiful idea and a beautiful phrase. So that 
I was like, okay, so other people are saying these are M dashes too. And the reason why it was a question in my mind is because Emily didn't have her poems published in her lifetime. And the M dash is something that really only comes into play if you're typing. So handwriting poems, how long are your dashes? It's indeterminate, right? If you write dashes as you're handwriting a poem, they could be any length. They're not going to be a standard length. So I looked at a few of her handwritten poems that are in the envelope poems, that little new directions hardcover, beautiful little book. And as I suspected, it's hard to tell, right? Like (laughs) she was writing dashes everywhere in her poems, but Sometimes they look shorter than an M dash. Sometimes they look longer than an M dash. It's hard to say. So in the way that her poems appear in books, I think it varies which type of dash people use. But in any case, it's not outside the realm of possibility that we can we can co-opt her poems as ones that use the M dash heavily. So hopefully that all made sense, Anar. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really love Emily Dickinson. Um, She's one of those just widely famous poets that anyone who doesn't read poetry might even know a line of hers, right? Hope is a thing with feathers. But I still think that she's widely underread, if that makes sense. Like, I think a lot of people read her for class and that her work is actually really strange and really exciting. Like, I feel really invigorated when I read her poetry. So I'm actually really excited to read this bizarre little poem for you, Anar. It's not one that I encountered in a class or have heard people talking about. Um, And her poems are numbered. They don't have titles. So this is poem 262. I'm ready. I'm excited. This isn't one I've encountered yet. So I'm very eager. Because there's so many dashes, I'll say this. I will do just a short pause for every dash. And there's a dash at the end of every single line break. So those pauses are also line breaks in some places. All right, so this is poem 262 by Emily Dickinson. The brain is wider than the sky. Four, put them side by side. The one the other will contain with ease, and you, beside. The brain is deeper than the sea, for hold them, blue to blue. The one the other will absorb, as sponges, buckets, do. The brain is just the weight of God. For heft them, pound for pound, and they will differ, if they do, as syllable from sound. Was that okay? Should I reread it? That was great. Do you want to reread it? Well, it's tricky because I want the dashes to be heard, but I actually feel like They don't slow me down when I read this poem to myself. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like they speed me up. So the reading with the pauses feels incorrect in a way, but it's like serving a function, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, 
let's talk about like it works one way when you read it to yourself, but when you read it out loud, something else is happening. Yeah. And so what are we supposed to be taking from the dashes as we're reading it on the page? Are we supposed to blast through it? Um, It's interesting because in the first stanza, the brain, M dash, is wider than the sky, M dash. But in the second stanza, the brain is deeper than the sea, M dash. Like the brain doesn't have a dash um, when it occurs again throughout the poem. And it's like, she wants you to like really pay attention to the brain the first time that you come across it. And there, I think, is part of what it's doing. The same way that her capitalization, which mm-hmm. is strange, she capitalizes brain, she capitalizes other words, I think, just to give them extra weight. Yeah. My favorite little bracketed M dash phrase blue to blue. Yeah. So good. Blue to blue describing the brain and the sea. Mm. This feels, I, I don't know if it's the M dashes or the language or it all together, but something about the M dashes making all of the language in this poem into morsels feels mm. like someone's really close to your face and showing you something in their palm. Yes. There's like an intimacy and like a a warmth like a humanness to it yes and it does feel like she's using them visually at least in this poem it feels like what you just said here the visual effect of so many dashes is isolating these pieces of language into little pockets even within the space of one line and it's like poetry already does that If you put the brain on its own line and then is wider than the sky on its own line below it, that would be another version of that, but it would be different. And this does give every little piece of language its like moment to be held in the palm of your hand. That's a really beautiful metaphor for it. Wow. Emily's a genius, though. The brain is wider than the sky, for put them side by side, the one the other will contain with ease and you beside. First stanza. I mean, (laughs) does the brain contain the sky or does the sky contain the brain? I think the brain contains the sky, but it's left ambiguous. And maybe that's what Martha Nell Smith of (laughs) the University of Maryland meant when she said that the dash in her work highlights the ambiguity of the written word. I think there's a lot of ambiguity in, in these poems. What a gift. But yes, queen of the M dash. And inspired so many. I think if anybody was the first to make it cool, it's Emily D. But I'm really interested to hear about the poet you chose, Anar, and to hear more about how maybe we see the M-dash being used in contemporary poetry. Yes. Um, I'm really thrilled and honored to bring Douglas Kearney's work to our podcast. Um, This is an artist who I really admire You've got to read him, but I'm bringing a poem or an excerpt of a poem from his latest collection, Show, and just to give you an idea of how others have valued this book, um, it was the winner of the 2022 Griffin Poetry Prize, winner for the Minnesota Book Prize, finalist for the 2021 Penn Volkler Award, 
finalist for the 2021 National Book Award, finalist for the 2022 Kingsley Tufts Award, and finalist for the Griffin Award for Poetry. And a little something about Douglas Kearney and something that when you see this poem on the page is that this is a poet who loves language and the visual mm. poetry and typography and language. Um, so some might consider him experimental. I'm not sure if he would describe himself this way, but yeah, when we worked at a bookstore, when we worked at Malvern, some of his books would find themselves in the quote unquote other section, which was where we yeah. put books where we weren't quite sure where they belonged. And some of them would be in the poetry section I consider his work poetry, but to each their own. But if you want to see someone doing things with typography, someone doing something with punctuation, with italics, that is like breaking what you would naturally, what we've been trained to expect in poetry. Um, this is your poet. This is our contemporary poet that is like subverting expectations. Um, I love it. So, of course... Had to dig in. So I brought a brief one for us today. So an excerpt from the poem Property Values. And there's some M dashes. There's some italics in here. There's some some quote. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, and I will leave some space for the M dashes, but I'll remind our readers at the end just kind of where those M dashes were. Property Values. I aspire to be a CVS. Lord, I want to be a drugstore in my heart. Or a nice neighborhood, a rapless gas up in my heart, a legit ballot. I perspire all night at it. Hmm. So we've got... On our second line here, a drugstore in my heart, an M dash with a period after it. Now that might be a first. I don't think I've seen that before. What do you think about it? That excited me when I saw it because I think it's it's like when you're listening to the last note mm -hmm. of a song on a classical piano mm -hmm. and it echoes through the opera house yeah. or recital hall. Like there's this sustained energy to it. Mm -hmm. but then it falls. Like it's a full stop. It stops. It ends. There's no echo. And then we shift to this other idea of like, I want to be a CVS or a nice neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like there's this turn at the end of that M dash period, or a nice neighborhood, a rapless gas up, and we've got another M dash after the word gas up. And then we kind of go back to that previous thought that was right before the M dash in my heart. So mm -hmm. there's this like pulling and pushing that's happening before and after these M dashes. Yeah, and that little piece of language in my heart is italicized and it's flanked mm -hmm. by M dashes. It definitely feels like the musical 
voice in the poem. Yeah. And then after that M dash, we've got a quote unquote legit quote unquote ballot. Mm-hmm. So it's like adding to the ideas he's already presented. Yeah. A legit ballot, legit and ballot in quotation marks, is also flanked by M dashes. So I'm wondering if you think that that's, even just in the space of this short poem, a different use of the punctuation mark than that first one that you said was like a sustained note. I think that it's feeding to the idea of like what he wants, but also why he wants it. Mm -hmm. So to me, like a legit ballot it would be like to be valid or to be seen in the eyes of society or the government yeah. or the powers that be. But it's also just like that's in quotes because it's like it's cheeky. It's just like yes. a legit ballot. And then it ends with I perspire all night at it. And that mm-hmm. ends in a period. And that feels very real. That's very rooted in the body. And property values as a title, and then the first sentence, I aspire to be a CBS, is very provocative. Like, before you even get to the quote-unquote legit ballot, that Mm -hmm. whole turn, property values, I aspire to be a CBS, is I am property. I aspire to be the kind of property, a CBS, that is valued by society or a nice neighborhood. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's so incredibly demeaning that it's shocking. And it's such a strange combination, that tone with the italicized lines in my heart, in my heart. I mean, that's such an, it almost feels like two different voices to me. Mm-hmm. Ugh, and the poem gets better, but it's, it's a little lengthier. So highly recommend show Douglas Kearney, get your hands on everything you can read by him. (laughs) Um, He also has a book out called Optic Subwoof, which I highly recommend as well. That's creative nonfiction. But I hadn't consciously seen the M-dash period before. And when I interrogated what that was doing... I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. I, I definitely want to dig into that book and um, encounter for myself the ways in which he is experimenting with the M-dash and other types of punctuation and, and formal conventions to create something that is so incredibly unconventional. Yeah. I love that. Claire, I think you brought one more poet for us today. I did. Yay! I can't stop talking about... <laughs> about this book. Um, You recommend it to our poets, to people on the street, (laughs) to me on a daily basis, to the person that you bought the book from at Black Pearl Books. I literally did. (laughs) Yeah, so this is Robin Costa Lewis's second collection. It's titled To the Realization of Perfect Helplessness. And it is a large book. It is a hardback. It's heavy. It has a ton of glossy and pristine photographs in it. And it is a book about, well, that's a false start because you could never really say what exactly this book is about because it brings so much into it. But it was partially inspired by her discovery of a suitcase full of photographs under her grandmother's bed after her grandmother Mm -hmm. passed away. 
photographs that include photos of a bunch of family and relatives that she knew or didn't ever meet from lots of eras. So that was the genesis of this project. And I think she spent a decade or more working on it. And it's absolutely stunning. A little piece of copy about the book says it's about how the dead do not stay dead. And I think that's about as close as you could get to a concise description of it. But it brings in so much about time, time and memory, and even what goes beyond human memory and what could be captured in a photograph, but billions of years ago time and billions of years into the future when we're gone. I mean, this poet is like reaching so far forward and so far back that it feels so appropriate to me that the M-dash is so prevalent in this work. I didn't even really notice it for like the first half until my eye just picked it up on a page I was reading and I went back and started realizing many, many pages in this book have M-dashes all over them. And it's laid out in a really beautiful way. It's black paper with white text. Mm -hmm. So that feels really poignant as well because it's like you're looking up into space and the words are like constellations. You kind of get that sort of feeling of spaciousness that also feels very relevant to time. Um, And in that way, I feel like the white M-dash is such an interesting thing of like a little shooting star or a little comet. I think you could take the visual metaphors in lots of cool directions just because of that little color switch up. But uh, it's very elegiac. It's very haunted. Again, the photographs are just uh, so striking. And so you'll have, often you'll have text on the left-hand page in a spread and a photograph on the right. Sometimes you'll have a couple of pages of just text or just photos. A really beautiful and complicated dance between the text and the photographs. But but yes, uh, it is just riddled with M-dashes. So I knew that I had to, to bring it to talk about today. And another interesting feature about the book is that it's not individual poems. So there's a lot of sections. It's very long and titled sections. So you could perhaps think of each section as its own lengthy poem. But I came by the end of the book to think of it as a book length poem with named sections. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but there's this kind of continuous feeling to it. Like nothing really ends and we don't get a beginning, but we're always talking about origins and we don't get an ending, but we're always talking about (laughs) death. It sounds like if this book was a punctuation, it would be an M-dash. It absolutely is, Anar. I'm going to read this page to you. It's um, page 102. So again, these are not individual poems, but this is just four words on a page. They're stair-stepped, so each word on its own line, each word capitalized. Again, the text is white, the page is black. And it reads, First teacher, sacred door. And there's an M-dash after the word teacher. So first teacher, M-dash, sacred door. And it's not explicit, but I put it together after seeing so many of the photographs that the photo on the right-hand side is of the poet's mother, I believe. So first teacher, sacred door makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an interesting place to start with the M-dash in this work because it's so simple and yet sort of 
contains a complexity and a mystery to it. So the simplicity is first teacher, M dash, is almost an equal sign, right? First teacher, mother, equals sacred door. Mother equals mother. But also to me, there's like a deep mystery embedded in both of those ideas of your first teacher and your sacred door into the physical world. And so it's almost like this gap where those two ideas aren't the same. And so it can't just be that this equals this. It's just this thing connecting them. It's like a bridge that like these are so deeply entwined, even though they are such different ideas. That's beautiful. That totally makes sense. And it's it's something that like a comma could not deliver or a colon couldn't help you bridge that idea. At least not so with so few words and with so much grace. I agree. The visual element of it I think is unbeatable. Like I said, it evokes the bridge, it evokes like a rope strung between two things. It's like mm. two arms holding hands. I mean, there's just so many ways in which it, it's like tethering, visually tethering those two ideas and those little bits of language. But if it was a colon, I think that requires us to make something of it with our brain. Like a colon has a more specific use in language. And so if it was a colon, I think you could use a colon creatively here, but it would be more like first teacher, colon, in other words, <laughs> sacred <Yeah>. door. <laughs> Whereas the dash is like, it's making you exist in that dash, that space of mystery of like how these two things are connected. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I can't wait for you to read this. <laughs> so on page 80 is another piece of this beautiful book to the realization of perfect helplessness that kind of highlights the queerness of it. Uh, Robin yes. is a queer poet, and that definitely also comes through in these really mysterious and lovely ways. So I'd like to read it. It's just a little longer. Three stanzas. And... I'll point out where the dashes are after I read the poem. So from page 80, there are days when all I want is to hold your hand and walk down Wilmington. Two girls who can feel all the galaxies inside and no one to understand or even fathom that. Wow. So the dashes are, there's three. There are days when all I want is to hold your hand and walk down Wilmington. There's one after Wilmington. And then there's one after understand and one after fathom. So the phrase is, and no one to understand or even fathom that. So those two dashes, there's a line break, so it makes it visually tricky, but they're encapsulating the phrase or even fathom. So I think that. These are being used in different ways. I think the one that comes after Wilmington, there are days when all I want is to hold your hand and walk down Wilmington dash. I think that that dash could also just be a period, a comma, a colon. I think it could be a lot of things because that's a complete sentence. And then the next piece of the poem is also a complete sentence. So that dash is like holding the two parts of the poem together and it's bridging us to the description of the you and the I holding hands, two girls who can feel all the galaxies inside 
and no one to understand or even fathom that. So to me, the weirdest dash here is the one between fathom and that. Isn't that strange? Yeah. It's interesting that because there's no punctuation aside from the M dashes here. And so it feels sustained that that and no one to understand or even fathom that. Yeah, you wouldn't put commas there, right? That's not a case in which the M dashes are isolating a separate clause to understand or even fathom that could just be one sentence. No commas necessary. Yeah. No punctuation necessary. So it's definitely there to to emphasize, I think, the difference between fathoming and understanding. And like the fact that no one can even fathom yeah. the two girls who can feel all the galaxies inside walking hand in hand is so beautiful and feels so true. Like it's almost a commentary, I think, on what she's doing with this book, which is looking at these photographs and writing this text, they're not captions. (laughs) They're not descriptions of the photographs. The photographs are woven in and sometimes they feel totally conceptually relevant and at other times it's not so obvious. To, To look at these photos of people you either know or never knew and to not be able to understand or fathom or access the interiority of their personhoods and their relationships and their selves must feel so strange yeah and this is it looks like the photo is of a wedding day maybe Mm -hmm. and you know love (laughs) two couples photographed um two hetero couples Mm -hmm. and everybody's beaming that's something that's familiar it makes sense (laughs) we see it here we see it it can be photographed Mm mm-hmm the other image can't be photographed. Wow. It's it's wonderful because you're right. Those ideas in the photo definitely can be linked, I think, to these ideas in the, in the poetry. But like with the dash, you really have to do some work or at least be able to exist within the mystery of it and the fact that it could be multiple things and that there is no yeah. one one answer here. It's beautiful. Beautiful uses of the M-dash that we've brought forward today. Some questions that I just have for the universe. Yeah. I'm sure someone somewhere has the opportunity to study this, but was there an uptick of, I mean, surely there's an uptick of the use of the M-dash since the typewriter and even more explosively so since, you know, laptops and computers became more accessible. I wonder mm-hmm. how it's how like contemporary and modern poetry has been shaped by the M dash. Um, if there's yeah, if there's anyone constantly tortured by knowing when to use it or when not to, I find myself really being like, this is gonna be too many M dashes. But sometimes if it's too many periods or too many commas. I bring in the M dash. Sometimes mm-hmm. a line break will give you what you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of ways to do this, which which is nice. Nice to know. It's a great tool and I think as with a line break, it can create order and it can create disorder. 
And disorder is not such a bad thing to be created with a punctuation mark sometimes. It can be really interesting. There's no right or wrong way to use it, but I do think it's important to have intentionality. Mm -hmm. It's definitely worth messing around with if you haven't before. Yeah. So this brings us to the end of the episode when we're like, what the hell is an M dash? And then we tell you, we don't know. Um, <laughs> no, we tell you it's a bridge. It's an arrow. It's a lasso. It's a haunting. <laughs> it's a shooting star. It's a sustained note. It's two women holding hands. <laughs> could go on and on. What isn't an M dash is now my yeah. only question. <laughs> um, that was really beautiful, Claire. I think that's mm. the episode. I am more in love with M dashes than I already was. So I think we did our job. Thank you all for listening. We hope you go and use an M dash today. Later, nerds. <laughs> 